This is the Yoga 360 Podcast, bringing you knowledge, inspiration, and resources to help you better connect with our community and live your best life. Featuring real stories from real people having fun conversations from the heart. If you enjoy the benefits of yoga, value your health and well-being, and enjoy connecting with others, you are in the right place. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Yoga 360 Podcast. I am Steve Cotton. I'm Karen Amy. On today's episode, Karen and I will be discussing music in the practice of yoga. But before we start, I just want to give an acknowledgement and a big uh, thank you shout out to our listening audience. We have just, um, as of the other day, uh, surpassed 250 downloads and listens. So that's fantastic. And I want to say thank you. Yeah, it's been such a cool journey to do this, and we're so excited. Every time we get feedback from you guys, it makes us so happy, and we're just happy that you guys seem to be vibing with what we're doing, and we're looking forward to 250 more. Yeah, and just as a reminder, on our last episode, I included a poll that's on Spotify as to which specific style of yoga you would like to see us do a dedicated episode to. So if you haven't checked that out, please give that a check out and let us know. Um, we're also joined in studio today um, by our returning guest, yoga teacher and music aficionado and enthusiast, Sarah Baldock. Hey. <laughs> Thanks, thank you for joining us again today. Yeah, today. awesome. Glad to be here. Yeah, so I think um, part of the reason we really wanted Sarah to come chat with us about this is because we often get feedback from students that they love your playlist because they're a little different than some of the other teachers, which is good yes we, well, we've mentioned her playlist on this uh, podcast here so you're at, so you're actually going to get it firsthand <laughs> yeah and I think just practically speaking um Sarah and I have very different like we're we're different sides of the same coin when it comes to music and how we add music to our class and even just practically our music background growing up so what how has music been a part of your life growing up Sarah through through mainly dance mm-hmm. so I started taking dance classes or was putting dance classes at like age five you know and you're doing especially starting like with ballet and then jazz and hip-hop and all these different styles and kind of the movements to beats in the music and counting beats in the music and you know I'm, I'm sure people in my pyro classes have have picked up on that when I get super <laughs> excited when people are like synchronized and it's like synchronized to the music and the movement synchronized to like the person beside you my little like dance heart is super happy yeah <laughs> fair yeah and so I was not in dance which probably won't surprise anyone that's seen how graceful I am in person um, or not graceful uh, but I did start taking piano lessons when I was four, I believe. Um, so I likely have what people call perfect pitch. Um, I have a really good ear. I play pretty much any instrument. I have a music degree, did a lot of music studying. I'm basically like the personification of a band geek. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's okay. I get really excited about classical music and about uh, the history of music as well as the actual like physiological effects music can have on our bodies. So Sarah and Steven are both here today to kind of talk me down off a ledge if I get a little too geeky. <laughs> yeah, I'll be sure to uh, pull, you, pull you off that ledge. But, uh, <laughs> but Sarah and I are definitely metal fans. Yes. Yes, and... Uh, rock and metal. Rock and metal. And yeah. yeah, the best part of Sarah's playlists are some of the... Um, I'm not going to say obscure tracks, but um, more instrumental versions of really good metal songs and then all of a sudden they'll be like yeah yeah and for the record I do appreciate them as well (laughs) it's not 
not just because metal is actually really close to classical when you look at it in it from a technical standpoint, um, but because I like rock and metal also. I just don't listen to it as often as some <laughs> other things. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think I want to get started by just saying, if you're listening along at home, I'd like to point out that you know more about music and music theory than you think you do. I, I promise. And I want to start by saying major versus minor chords and tones. Is that a tone that you're familiar with, Sarah? Do you know those terms? Um, very vaguely, like uh, music classes back from elementary school, mm -hmm. you know, very blurry recesses of my brain <laughs> type thing. But yeah, like the use of them, definitely pop songs. It's a lot of major yeah. chords, right? Yeah. It's like the, f the four chord songs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like every hit song ever. Yeah, and you might throw a minor chord in there for a little bit of intensity, but then you go right back to the happy major chords. Yeah. <laughs> and Stephen, I know that you play guitar. What, what's your, if I ask you what major versus minor is, what would your answer be? Um, really a surface level, without getting into too much of it, is that um, major chords and major scales tend to have a what is usually described as a happy feeling, whereas minor, it tends to be a little less happy. Yeah, that's essentially it. And we could talk about exactly what that means on a scale. <laughs> um, but I think that's not as relevant today. So we'll stick to that. Major is happy, minor is sad. If I played you three songs and told you, tell me which are major and minor, you would be able to do that. Um, another thing you would be able to do is to identify different intervals in music so certain intervals different intervals make you feel different things and one of them that I really like to focus on is called a tritone um, this one way back in the day like the middle ages was either called diabolus in musica or mi contrafa and those mean respectively uh, the devil in the music basically um, yeah devil in the music <laughs> and basically back then Almost all music was liturgical. It was for the church. It was for God. And it was seen as the um, representation of God on earth was music. So when you played these songs, these tones, these tritones, they were called the devil sounds because they made you feel scared and anxious. And Stephen, what was the song you were playing for me before class? Is Black Sabbath. Yeah, by yeah. Black Sabbath. Okay, Black <laughs> Sabbath by Black Sabbath, I see. <laughs> I, I will link it in the show notes. I don't think we can actually play it because of uh, copyright, copyright. Yeah. or uh, you know royalties, but uh, I'll definitely link it in the playlist because it's one of the best examples of it. Yeah, so look it up. Um, but that one, the whole beginning of it had a bunch of tritones, and the word that came up was ominous. And so if you're listening to a horror movie, if you are watching Jaws, it's Halloween almost here, so that's what's mm -hmm. on our mind. Yes, and the, ha um, uh, yeah, the Halloween motif. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. It's going to be a lot of tritones, and you are going to feel anxious. You're going to feel scared. You're going to understand why they thought the devil would make that music back in the <laughs> Middle Ages. Um, and today, we actually understand that those sounds actually elicit a response in our bodies. It raises cortisol, that stress hormone. Uh, it Sounds familiar. I think we've <laughs> talked about that once or twice. Once, <laughs> once or twice, yeah. Um, so it raises cortisol. It's going to raise your heart rate, your blood pressure, your body temperature will drop. Like it's actually a physiological response, which I just find completely fascinating. Um, and so I think the message I want all our listeners to take with them from that is that Music has an actual real effect on your body, and you should listen to your gut. If you're listening to music that's making you stressed out, you actually are stressed out. You're not imagining it. So the next thing I kind of want to touch on is just resolution. Uh, resolution in music specifically. So when you're composing music, 
you want a lot of questions and responses is another way that you sometimes call it. But resolution, again, this is something you guys know. If I go, da da na 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 yeah (laughs) you guys all know how to finish that and it's not that you know what the song is called you might not know where the heck you've heard it before but you know exactly what note should come next there to a smaller degree when you're listening to any song on the radio any song in a yoga class you know what should come come next your brain inherently knows how that melody should be resolved and that's really important because your brain wants that resolution when you get that resolution, when you hear that resolution, it actually, again, has a physiological effect on your body uh, that will have the opposite effect of the tritones. Mm-hmm. So it will help to relax you. It helps to uh, helps you to achieve what is called flow state sometimes, where you are at your optimal cognitive uh, cognitive capabilities, and you're calm and you're ready to go. Um, and it really translates really nicely to yoga. Is resolution something you ever think about when you're teaching class, Sarah? Like if you have a pose? I definitely think of, I don't know if I think about like the, what should come next. I mean, I guess yes and no. When I'm building, when I'm building my playlist, I, you know, I'll, I'll find a bunch of songs Mm -hmm. and that I like, or that I, that I, you know, whether they will all work together or not. Like I was building Mm -hmm. this one pyro playlist and I kept trying to jam in, um, Damien Marley and Nas mm. as we enter because mm. I love that song mm-hmm. but it just wasn't <laughs> working anywhere and like which upset me because I really like the song <laughs> and, but I just couldn't make it fit and so I guess not maybe not consciously but to a certain degree yeah things mm-hmm. that don't seem to flow within the you know we're building up to a posture of vinyasa so we want music that's building but then mm-hmm. we're going to turn it around and go down and start to slow down so we need music that doesn't have as much build to it mm-hmm. yeah yeah and like on the flip side so steven when you're on your mat i know you've talked about this before uh, we talked about it last week actually if you're in a pose we, we talked about specifically in dragon what's your favorite thing to do after a dragon posture is uh reverse the the posture and do um Almost like uh, reverse splits. Yeah, reverse splits. Split. Yeah. I say I say reverse dragon sometimes. Yeah. Half splits. Yeah. yeah, and that's resolution in the body. Like it's the same thing. And when you hit that resolution in your body, yes, you are. It's uh, so satisfying. <laughs> satisfying. Yeah, and that's partially because it's the when you hit reverse dragon versus dragon, you're targeting the opposite muscles, and it's like a yin and yang thing. But it's also just yeah, it's so satisfying in your brain. Your brain gets really happy. We want resolution in music. We want resolution in our bodies and in our practice and in our posture so uh, it's a really lovely beautiful thing to focus on when you are um, creating playlists and when you're creating deciding which songs to practice with Um, one song I've played before yeah you've both heard this before I've played almost an F by Kevin McLeod he's a really wonderful composer a lot of his music is royalty free so it's safe to play um, even if we're recording classes online And I love that song because pretty much for the entirety of it, and I think Stephen will link this in the show notes too. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) Um, For almost the entirety of it, that's all the song is, is you're almost coming into your full chord. You're waiting for that resolution. So pretty much the whole song is just... It's almost riding the edge. Yeah, exactly. And it gives you that resolution over and over and over again. So I find it's a really beautiful thing to put in a yin class because over and over again, you're to a small degree, you're getting those little micro doses of satisfaction throughout the entire song. Uh, And it's just... 
it's a really lovely choice for a yin class or for towards the end of class because it is nice and slow. So when I'm talking about these things, they are practices that have been understood for a long time. When I'm talking about major music makes you happy, minor music makes you sad, for generations we have known this but sort of in the last few decades science has caught up and has started to explain why and so it's really cool to look into these studies um, a really cool meta-analysis of 400 different studies that i found um, suggested that music can actually decrease anxiety and lower cortisol more effectively in patients who are about to undergo surgery than those who took anti-anxiety drugs We've had this conversation in our previous podcast. I'm not saying don't take anti-anxiety yeah. drugs, especially if your doctor has prescribed them yeah. to you. We, we like doctors. <laughs> we like listening to doctors. But uh, there is evidence that music can be more effective, which to me just says, hey, let's listen to music intentionally and, and let's make it part of our full health picture, really. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, another really cool one I found basically said that music can reduce your inflammation and contribute overall to a healthy immune system. Um, so I'll do a direct quote from the abstract. Um, overall, the studies indicate that these practices are associated with a down-regulation of nuclear factor kappa B pathway. This is the opposite of the effects of chronic stress on gene expression and suggests that uh, practices such as yoga may lead to a reduced risk of inflammation-related diseases. So again, there's a lot of maze in there, a lot of maybes, a lot of kind ofs. Mm -hmm. um, but it's one of those things we've understood for generations, and now we're seeing some proof. And really, what can it hurt to listen to some music while you're doing yoga? What can it hurt to have some meditation music going when you're stressed? It's not going to hurt anything, and it could have really beautiful, amazing effects on your body. Yeah, it's kind of like that uh, cat's purr at a resonate, like yes. the, the frequency with which cat's purr is like the same that cells need to heal, like especially like broken bones and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yes, get a cat. Is that what I'm saying? Always. Yes. Always. That's what I'll say. Yes. Get yeah. Yes, because it can also help your chaturanga, right? It does. Yes. <laughs> Catch your wonderful props. <laughs> um, so, like, on that note, that's, that's hurts, what you would call. Yeah. Is if you picture what sounds look like the wavelengths. I'm using my finger right yes. now. <laughs> um, that's how many, like, what the hertz level is in your music. And cats purrs are have really healing levels. Mm -hmm. um, so I pulled up a list from the Google machine that sort of outlines what different hurts do for you. And that's something I'd suggest doing if you're looking for background music to meditate to, um, or even if you have a request for your yoga teacher, you can put that on their radar because it's readily available. You can go to YouTube, you can go to Spotify and say, I want X hertz music for Y. Um, so for instance, 174 hertz will relieve pain and stress. 285 will heal tissues and organs. Um, 417 facilitates change. Um, 741 will help provide solutions and self-expression. So these hurts all do different things. And yeah, some of it is a little bit of yoga science, I want to call it. This is a term my friends use. Um, but there is some actual peer-reviewed scientific literature that backs some of this up. So look into it. And again, what can it hurt? Give it a try. It's lovely. Um, so let's get down more to what do you pick? What do you pick when you're creating a playlist and how do you build a playlist? So Sarah, how do you build a playlist? 
I guess it depends on for which class. Okay, <laughs> go on, go on. <laughs> but, I mean, generally, the I would say most classes, whether it's vinyasa, the fusion, pyropilates, uh, maybe even, even yin in the restore, you're... You're starting off slow. You're building up to something that something could be an arm balance in vinyasa. It could be the hit component of pyro, or mm-hmm. it could just be, you know, a very juicy dragon in yin. Mm-hmm. And then sort of, you know, my <laughs> hand motions. <laughs> Tapers off. Tapers off. That's the word you. for the hand Denouement. motion. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Sarah's demon. doing a downward motion with yeah. her hand right now. She's it's building like it up. It's like a parabola. It's an upside-down parabola. Yeah. Oh, Which is also a tool song. <laughs> so you, you're building to something, and then you have kind of the the ending of it that's slowing down again. And so most of you know your music is going to reflect that as well. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you know, slower stuff at the start, slower stuff at the end, gentler things, maybe more instrumental things, maybe things without lyrics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the middle, faster things, especially if it's pyro, needs to be fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you can speak to the to the yin portion. Do you find that you have a similar? Yes, I think often for yin, what I like to do is have more what I refer to as just soundscape music. Um, Ambient sounds is Mm -hmm. another term. I like to have music that is just one long track of the same variety because I find, and I don't know if it's because of my education background in music, but sometimes in class, if I have many different songs, I find myself getting really distracted when the songs change and that carries over when I'm instructing as well. If I'm teaching a class and a song is changing, it can sometimes make me want to end a posture earlier than I otherwise would have or start a posture or it does affect what I'm saying. So I prefer to have one long, solid track. Um, I have a few favorites that I go back to again and again. I love Kevin MacLeod. Um, I really love um, Sleep by Max Richter is one of my favorites. Thank you. (laughs) So that one's fascinating. It's actually a cycle of a bunch of different um, individual tracks. And he is a modern composer who worked with a sleep specialist and a neuroscientist and found out the very best chord progressions and the very best tempo, um, which is how fast the music is, uh, to help facilitate a deeper, more restful sleep. Um, So I I think it translates really nicely into the yin world because it helps to facilitate relaxation and facilitate a more meditative state for the students who are trying to hang out in a posture that they might not be super comfortable in for at least a few minutes. So uh, i I find that's a good choice. Um, Stephen, as a student, what what do you like when you're coming to class? What do you like to listen to? Very similar to like what Sarah was saying, it really depends on the class mm-hmm. and what my expectations are going into the class. Um, for a yin practice, um, exactly what you're saying, Karen. Um, soundscapes work the best. The, the one long track mm-hmm. where there's very little distraction. And we kind of talked a little bit about it last time. I... I brought up the term melody free, mm-hmm. um, which is similar to what it is, but but not exactly because there is a melody to it. But yeah. yes, um, and then something that's the complete opposite of that, you know, the Pyro Pilates class. Um, I want something that's fast, fast paced. That's gonna gonna keep me uh, motivated to keep my uh, my heart rate up. Yeah, and I think. 
think that kind of carries through to a point, the question of lyrics versus no lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. The constant debate. The constant <laughs> debate. And I think for Yin, at least, if I have lyrics, they are sparing. They're not, it doesn't happen very often, and they're usually in Latin or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that it's not something that the students are trying to interpret and trying to understand while they're practicing. And, and as a student and, and, and coming from that side to it, um, if, if there are too many lyrics and I'm, I'm, I'm going to say more recognizable melodies, I find that it, it takes me out of my practice as well. Yeah, and that could be because yeah, our brains are like computers. They have a finite amount of processing they can do at once. Um, when we're listening to speech, uh, we activate what's called Broca's area in our brain, and it takes up the whole area. Um, when we're producing written and spoken language, we are uh, activating the Wernicke area of our brain. So when that area of our brain is activated, it leaves less bandwidth, if you want to use a computer term, for us to focus on other stuff. So it can be more difficult for your student to understand your cues, especially if your cues maybe it all it happens to all of us. Sometimes our cues are not as crystal clear as we want them to be. Yeah. Um, so if it's already maybe not the most crystal clear cue and you have some lyrics going on in the background that not only are distracting your students but maybe distracting you trying to give the cue it just makes it harder for everyone so I think in general as a rule even though I don't like rules like lyrics are should be used sparingly um and really intentionally I I would I would say I definitely agree with that I I don't know if I've been as intentional in my maybe mildly, in, in the songs that I use, pers- specifically for vinyasa, mm-hmm. um, with songs that have lyrics. Uh, one of one of the playlists that I, I often get asked about, uh, my one vinyasa rock p- playlist, I actually have a song that's in French, mm-hmm. and I, that's probably less distracting for most people. I mean, anyone who is trying to understand what it is, like probably more <laughs> distracting being in a different language, right? If you're like me, you're like, oh, I know this language. I'm going to listen in a little more. What are they saying? Yeah. Yeah. And I find myself doing that too. I'm working on my French lately. And so I, I do when I hear songs like that, I'm trying to translate them. But mm-hmm. again, sometimes that could be an intentional choice because in Pyro, we love lyrics in the music. Yeah. Can you speak to that? They're, yeah. I find in Pyro, it's, it's super helpful to have have lyrics um you have to be careful sometimes with the volume just Mm -hmm. depending Mm -hmm. and because i made a more of a techno playlist and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of songs that don't have a whole lot of lyrics to it it's Mm -hmm. just a lot of of sounds and i don't know if that one resonated or hit well with people quite as much as say some of the old school hip-hop or Mm -hmm. some of the rock ones yeah, just I think in pyro it does help. Pyro and blast it does help to have songs with lyrics because it it takes you out of your body a little bit and more without necessarily losing what you're doing in your body. Yeah, and I'd like to point out that in pyro, for those of you who haven't taken the class before, we're referring to pyro pilates. So it's a mix of cardio, pilates, and yoga. For the majority of the class, like 80% of the class, I'd say you're doing eight rounds of the exact same exercise in a row. Yeah. Right? So you have eight chances of 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off. Yeah. This is a question because it's been a minute since (laughs) I took one of the classes. (laughs) Yeah. So 20 seconds on, 10 seconds recovery. So it's the Tabata HIT style Mm -hmm. high intensity interval training. 
what that does is great for your body, super effective. Mm-hmm. But when you're, say, sprinting on the spot for 20 seconds as fast as you can, and then 10 seconds recovery, take a breath, it's, it's nice to, in the hose, uh, or if you're sitting in a squat for 20 seconds, and then you have, get a, a bit of a relief. It's nice in that 20 seconds <laughs> to have something distracting, like, ah, oh, hey, yeah, I love this song. Yeah. Yeah, like, sometimes you want to have some Dre, you know? Yeah. Be rapping to some Dre while you are, like, down in a prisoner squat, for instance. <laughs> yeah, but, and because you're doing the same thing over and over again, you don't need as much bandwidth to do the same exercise eight times in a row. Yeah. <laughs> so well. the lyrics don't have as much of an impact in a practice like that. Versus in Vinyasa, when you are constantly flowing from posture to posture, there's a little more listening that has to be happening. Do you find yeah. that as a student too, Stephen? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 For uh, the Vinyasa practice, which well, which I do the, uh, uh, the most of, um, yeah, I, I definitely want that because of the, uh, the nature of that style. And I don't really want to be taken out of that. If that mm-hmm. makes sense, you know, with my with my mind as well. Um, when I was practicing at home during COVID as well, too, I would mostly use the um, supplied playlists and and the music. Um, I did play some of my own music in the background once or twice, um, and I used a uh, a couple of tracks from uh, one of my favorite rock uh, in- instrumental guitarists, uh, Joe Satriani, mm. and I found that that helped as well too, but some of the tracks also t- took me out of the practice as well, too. So, And I think I found the same thing when I did my own playlist. I pretty much have one go-to home playlist for when I'm practicing at home, and I don't think I can listen to the songs outside of it now. But I'll do a little bit of rotation. I'll take one in and one out. Um, and if I'm not listening to that playlist when I'm practicing at home, I'm usually watching hockey. Yeah. Don't tell the teachers. <laughs> and don't be like me. <laughs> um, and it think I'd like to talk as well a little bit about often when you search just yoga music, etc. a lot of it ends up having Sanskrit words in it. Um, It ends up being chanting and very prayer-like and a lot of it's beautiful and I use it in my own practice a lot and I think something it's something that I'm anxious to put into my classes and onto my playlists because I worry that I don't actually understand the significance of that music and I don't know that and I I would be worried about offending someone so I often do not do not do that <laughs> uh, I think Sarah has a story that she's debating uh, sharing. <laughs> I mean, well, not debating anymore. Yeah, I, I do I do want to share it mostly because a it was a it was a learning experience for me. Um it it wasn't a negative experience necessarily. So I I borrowed a playlist um, from one of the other teachers, something that they had played before uh, at the end of uh, Bikram class, actually. I just asked if people would be down for some music and had put it on and found it very calming, very relaxing. And I hadn't quite created my my playlist for Restore yet. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, oh, this would be nice. So I shared that um, to the online. I was recording the class because it was one of the few times I was, have been teaching the Restore. And so I... I played this this playlist, which was a lot of chanting, yes, and it found out afterwards um, that it had actually been rather uncomfortable for one of my students to have that playing. It was very distracting. She almost left. Just it, it made her very uncomfortable because from sort of her 
religious upbringing, the level of religion upbringing, not necessarily her super, religious experience. Yeah, her religious yeah. experience. It makes it sound like it's like super religious and, you know, n- not necessarily like that, but from her experience, it was something to use privately, period, and that's it. And, and in a sacred sense. Very sacred, yeah. exactly. And I felt very badly uh, because I. I felt like I should have looked into it prior. Mm-hmm. I I felt it had been from a trusted source. Someone else had played it in a class before. So I felt that it was okay. And maybe I should have looked into it mm-hmm. more. Probably should have looked into it more in retrospect. Uh, definitely not going to borrow it again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> spoke with this, this student again the next day. And she worried that she had overreacted. I said, no you being uncomfortable is enough for me to not use this. That's even if it's just one student it, in the it, studio. That yeah, says that. yeah. This is someone who I want to continue to come to my classes, to continue to enjoy coming to the studio, to continue to enjoy the practice. And if they're worried about what I'm playing, you, you know, can't do that. they knew it wasn't done intentionally. I still felt I should have looked into it, but yeah. yeah, and and I I was practicing this class at home, and I heard most of the conversation as well. So it was unintentionally the student helped to teach that lesson to me as well. And to be clear, we both adore this student. Lovely. Not lovely. that we have favorite students, but if we did, <laughs> yes, you do. Come on. There's a group. She she's a lovely, lovely person, and she's been practicing with us for a long years. time. So it was. We were both grateful. I want. I don't want to speak for you, but were you grateful as Absolutely. well? Absolutely. To have that pointed out from a kind, such place. a kind yeah. place, yeah. and such a, you know, not wanting me to then run into a bigger issue. Where you would actually offend someone. Yeah, like yeah. really offend someone. And someone would be like really angry about it. And maybe not mm-hmm. speak to me. Maybe not feel comfortable saying something to yeah. me. Right? I'm really grateful that she felt she could. Yes. Yeah. So grateful that she that she felt that she could come talk to me. So thankful in correcting me. Mm-hmm. Because that's not something that I, I want to continue to no. make that mistake. That's not a mistake well, I want to yeah, continue to make. That, that- speaks volume for the uh, 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 the culture that's been developed in, this, in the studio as well, mm-hmm. too. So. Yeah, because I was just going to say, like, even if it were, you know, if it were a, a pyro class and you played a song and then a student came up after and said, hey, you know, that was my song with my boyfriend and it's really triggering for me, my ex-boyfriend, it's really triggering for me, your reaction would probably be to take it out of your playlist, right? Like, it doesn't matter what the reason I is. don't know. I've said something like that to Marie. I think she still plays Oasis. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but Oasis has some bangers, so. <laughs> no, but I think it's really important. <laughs> and now Wonderwall. Um, but I, I do think it's really important to all of us at the studio to help facilitate and create a safe space for all our students. Absolutely. So if there is something that we're putting in our playlist that is not a safe space for you, please tell us. Yes. Even if it's anonymously, like go on our website, do in the contact form, say, please don't play this song. And we want to facilitate that yes, for you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so off of the <laughs> offending people line, just yes. specifically on beats per minute, again, just like with Hertz, just like with um, the key of music, whether it's major versus minor, the beats per minute in music matters. Yes. <laughs> it We subconsciously will align with the music, even if we don't have a background in, ba- in dance like Sarah. Um, 
my personal story is when I was running, I had very specific songs that I had to listen to when I was running because otherwise my pace would slowly, yeah, cadence would my, my cadence yeah. would totally mess up. And I had specific songs in my playlist that I would go, like No Diggity is one of them. If my pace was creeping the heck up, I would pop that on because it would just help me settle back into an actual safe space pace <laughs> for my run. Um, and that's, that's inherent in all of us. It's not just because I have a music background. It's not just because Sarah has a dance background. Uh, your heart rate will start to lower and rise depending on the beats per minute um, as well as your mental engagement really so um, sorry in your pyro training they said yeah. a specific beat per minute what did they say yeah so uh, from the pyro pilates training it says generally it should be in the range of 128 to 132 beats per minute mm-hmm. and this is for the the major portion of the of the class the cardio hit portion even into the front and back strengtheners at the start um we kind of change it up we maybe go a little slower pace into the ab work just to kind of slow people down depending on what we're doing mm-hmm. but there is that that general like for the cardio hit 28 128 to 132 and i think what this does because we have talked about like is this low? Is this high? It um, it allows for people who are doing the maybe more high intensity options or high impact options versus the ones that are doing the low impact options for for body need issues, whatever they've got mm-hmm. going on. It still keeps the heart rate up. Yeah. Um, so I quickly googled a list of most popular running songs at 128 BPM. So it's 128 to 130. And songs are coming up like Push It by Salt and Peppa, uh, Party Rock Anthem by LMFAO. I got that one. Um, yeah. Boom Boom Pow by Black Eyed Peas. Uh, there's a lot of current music. Edge of Glory by Lady Gaga. Um, Forget You by CeeLo Green. Look how radio friendly I am. It is not what it says on the computer screen. Um, <laughs> Low by Flowrider. So songs like that. Um, again, you can quickly Google these to find similar beats per minute. Um, but those are choices we shoot for in Pyro. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, on the random website I saw, I found on Google, it suggested that for high intensity, you should have 140 to 180. And I would also like to point out that as far as your brain's concerned, as long as you align your exercise with it, um, 64 is the same as 128. 64 beats per minute is the same as 128 because it's half, mm-hmm. right? So you would just do more movements per beat. Uh, but in theory, <laughs> your brain interprets it in the same way. So that does open a door a little bit if you want to transition nicely. And that's something that DJs, et cetera, will do to go from a really fast song to a really slow song because that will transition fairly seamlessly. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of on the on the topic of like lyrics in music and saying that yeah, Pyro Pilates definitely having lyrics. I think it, it keeps people engaged in the class and especially I think we did a, a sing along class one time. Um but the question of are <laughs> are there songs that maybe we shouldn't be playing or versions of songs that maybe we shouldn't be playing, like the explicit quality of lyrics always is a question. Yeah. Um, I don't actually even... Candace says it's okay as long as it's not too much. Isn't that her response? Well, who, who who's the arbiter of what's too much? This is the question. <laughs> I Yeah, I know that we've often had lots of like little kids in classes, not so much since COVID, but before. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would bring their, you know, 10 seven-year-olds yeah. to pyro pilates and 
it does beg the question, like, is this okay? I know uh, one of our one of our mom-daughter uh, pairs that comes into Pyro Pilates, uh, she had her son with her as well, and I was sort of like, oh, I don't really have, like, a, a non-explicit version, and I checked with her before class, mm-hmm. like, is this going to be a problem? Like, I'm really sorry. She's like, ah, no, he, hear, he knows these words. The kids hear these words. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, the maturity to not use those words <laughs> yeah and I almost wonder if it's a like we grew up swearing was a big deal is it not as big a deal anymore I don't know this I don't have children or music <laughs> but that could be it it's just general like does anyone want to answer this question for us anyone yeah, with kids? parents teachers etc please tell us does swearing not matter anymore I can make that a question for this episode yeah <laughs> go for it end of, end of episode question and if yeah. so which are the swear words that do matter <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I have, I have one playlist that it's I have NERD's Rockstar, and the start of that song is you know just loudly effing posers, <laughs> and I've had a couple people kind of like jolt, I'm like oh well at least you're awake now. Yeah. But, yeah. Now that I got your attention, <laughs> more abs, yay! <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, So I think what we're saying is know your audience if you're picking words with profanity, but it's probably okay as long as it's mixed into the song. Yeah. Yeah. Well, general rule of thumb is what does the studio owner say? Absolutely. Yeah. That's sort of the general rule of thumb, but... Yeah. 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 I think an awareness of of your audience and who's in your class and maybe some, some sensibilities that you don't want to offend yeah and we have a super diverse community here we have some people well into their 70s and even 80s i believe that Mm -hmm. practice that probably would not appreciate some of the profanity we listen to (laughs) but on that note if english is their second language Mm -hmm. profanities in in your second language don't have as much weight I find. I don't know. Is that not the first thing you learn in another language? Like when I was learning to speak Hindi, I knew the bad words way before I knew anything else. I still don't I, I know how to say please. I think that's just human nature. Yeah. Well, yeah. But I, I don't think it carries like the same like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble for this. Mm, wait, wait. Okay. Fair. I was reading something about uh, kind of se- French is a second language and, mm. you know, French swear words very much about like religion and the church and whatever else. But as a French second language speaker, mm-hmm. They're fun to say, but they don't they don't get like that like ah reaction in me mm. as sometimes English swear words do. Like I wouldn't be offended if someone called me, you know, whatever. We so, don't want to say that. Yeah, to yeah. me. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I apologize. But it doesn't mean as much to me. <laughs> I, well, and I guess on that note too, my mom's half of the family is quite German and so I grew up my Oma. I don't want to say had a potty mouth because in German, some of these words are not really a big deal. So some of the words that she would say that were absolutely swear words I wasn't allowed to say at school, even now, don't really resonate with me like you're saying. Like, it's like, oh, cool. You said that word. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. They don't resonate with me nearly as much as some other, I wouldn't even say swear words, but I would say like offensive terms that I would never use yeah. now. Like, I'm not going to say the R word. I'm not saying the N word. I, you know, like yeah. those are much more offensive to me. So if I were talking, let, let's compile a list of do's and don'ts when picking music for yoga. <laughs> that would be my first one. Don't use words that are going to offend people. Yeah. And if, you're, if it's going to have profanity, make it the soft ones, the ones that don't really <laughs> bug anyone. <laughs> or at least a minimal amount. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it's not family values by Blink-182. Are we familiar with this? 
Don't Google that. Don't put that in the show don't, notes. Don't, don't add that one there? No, no, every lyric is a swear word. It's fine. It's okay. fine. I know that one. Yeah. I think that's what it's called. Anyway, moving on. That would be my first rule. What, what would you say would be the next the next guideline while picking music for, for a yoga class? Well, I guess depending on the class. If mm-hmm. it's um, pair your, your music to to your class. Like, mm-hmm. there needs to be intention with that. If you're – if you've got – a class that you don't want people to be breaking their concentration from maybe less sort of abrasive sounds mm-hmm. in music. Like you say, talking about like the major and minor chords, mm-hmm. you know, stressing people out in, in a really difficult balancing posture might not like that could be good or it could be bad. But <laughs> Yeah. So choose with intention. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the term. Um, I think the next, um, the next guideline I would offer is uh, thinking about both hertz and tempo. Uh, so go a little bit deeper beyond is this a happy or a sad song? Go to is this actually going to affect the student's body in a physiological way? Um, and if you don't want to look into it and research and, you know, get a music degree and learn music theory, you probably don't, just so you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you can just listen to the song yourself. See how it makes you feel because you're a human just like them and you're probably going to have a similar reaction that your students will. So listen to your songs intentionally while you are practicing and see how they make you feel and see if they make the cut. Yeah. Yeah. I found that was actually a really helpful thing with my playlists and uh, COVID and practicing at home. So because we wouldn't be sharing the music over uh, Zoom, I would play my own playlists and to see if they would work in a class. Yeah. Another hidden benefit of COVID. I feel like they keep popping up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Stephen, as a student, any guidelines that you would like to suggest teachers come away with? Uh, Just what I hit on before. I don't want too much of um, what's going to take me out of my practice. Mm. Like, uh, like that's really big for me as well, too. Like, I I come here for a very specific reason. It's to to further and and, uh, develop my practice. So I'm kind of serious about that. I I just want to be be in the moment so yeah yeah and I'd like to take a moment to say that any of our students who are listening to this that have specific song suggestions or even just specific feedback Sarah gave me feedback and said that I um a few weeks ago had a class where and my playlist got a little off kilter which is why but basically it was getting loud and intense right towards the end of the class and it just didn't jive and so she told me that and my reaction was great. Thank you. And I didn't do that again. And so if you have similar feedback, please let us know. Yeah. <laughs> um, because at the end of the day, we're here to do that for what, what Stephen said. We're here to facilitate you being in the zone like that. Um, so at the end of the day, I think we, we'll do as much as we can to help get you there. But please talk to your teacher if we're not doing as good a job as you would like. Yeah, And as a student, I just want to say that both of you do a really good job. Thank you. Uh, Thank what you, you do in uh, picking your playlist. So, <laughs> yeah. Because so, I, I enjoyed it in uh, both your classes. So. Oh, thank you. And I think the final sort of piece of advice I would like to offer, purely based on the fact that we have so many comments about Sarah's playlist, is don't be afraid to be a little unique and step out of the box <laughs> a little bit. Like if every other teacher at your studio is playing... Mm, yes, that's like very appreciated. Yeah. <laughs> if every other teacher at your studio is playing Rihanna, like, don't get me wrong, we love Riri, yeah. she's good, but like, step out of the box a little bit. Show your personality and students will resonate with that. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah like uh, even just the other day, um, there was a class that I was taking and the music before was a instrumental version of Stairway to Heaven. 
Nice. And I placed it, but I couldn't figure out what song it was. I was like, and it was killing me. I was like, <laughs> I know this song. I know this song. <laughs> and then all, and then all of a sudden, the uh, the resolution of the main motif happened, and it was like, oh, okay, yeah. stairway to heaven. Why didn't I pick that before? No. It's, like, it's like that uh, the Chris Cornell version of Billie Jean. Everyone's like, I know this song. Yep. What is this song? Yeah. Mm. It's a good version. Yeah. Um, is there any um, YouTube or other social media, Karen, that uh, you would recommend for people if they want to get a little bit of a deeper understanding of uh, uh, music and music theory? Because I know one for myself that I'm highly going to recommend, but I just want to run it by you first. Yeah, like I, uh, I don't have any that come to mind immediately, but I certainly will add them in the show notes if I come across any. Uh, but sh- please share, Stephen. <laughs> um, one YouTube channel that I came across a couple of years ago is a guy named Rick Beato. Um, he has a channel called Everything Music. Um, he is a classically trained musician, record producer, and YouTube artist as well too um specifically he has a series of videos called what makes this song great and he has over a hundred of them now um i think it actually started with a blink 182 song um and they are anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes upwards to almost an hour where he breaks down what is going on in the song and it's fantastic and as a guitar player for many years I've learned so much but also for a layperson who has never experienced anything in regards to music theory can learn a lot from his channel so yeah I will add some specific names but on that note there's a really cool subsection of YouTube where it's basically they'll do things like Blink-182 but country or Mumford and Sons Mm -hmm. but punk um and while they don't specifically go into the theory behind it and why that's working, um, it is a really cool way to sort of begin to understand the different nuances in those sounds. So that would be a cool thing to look up as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of, and I love listening to uh, like acoustic versions of other songs. So like Lady Gaga acoustic, real good. Like just Lady Gaga and a piano. You don't need much else, guys. So... I think that's about all we want to talk about today. Uh, You know, we got a little nerdy. We got a little not nerdy. And we'd love to hear your feedback. Um, Anything from you, Stephen? No. No, I think we're good. Cool. I don't usually do this part. But if you guys would like to contact us, if you have anything to say, reach out to us on social media, send us an email, or give us a call at the studio. And we hope to hear from you soon. Yeah, and I want to thank uh, Sarah for coming back and being our first returning guest. You're very welcome. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah, see, we don't bite, right? <laughs> no. No. Karen, Karen might. I, I bite I, back. I don't. I don't. <laughs> okay, thanks, everyone. Have a good night. Thanks. Thanks. We are incredibly grateful to have you join us to the end of this episode. If you want to share your experience and deepen your connection with our community, we would love to have you join us as a guest. Be kind to yourself, be kind to others, see you on the map.